As I was praying and prepping and planning, it's, it's interesting because there's so much that we're excited about in this new year as a staff, plans that we have and systems that we're putting in place and things that we feel obviously God has placed on our heart to do. And uh, a lot of times, a lot of churches, they take time in January to vision cast and to kind of give you an understanding of where we're going. I think I, I learned a lesson or two a few years ago when, when everybody thought we were really clever. You remember 2020? It's it's like 2020 vision and we didn't see none of that coming. And so I'm just like, ah, how do I, how do I cast this vision, God? Like, how do I help the people see what you've shown me? And as I was praying that, and as I was preparing for that, the Lord settled something on my heart. He, he kind of reminded me, hey, I don't need you to give, you know, a 17 point presentation on where we're going or how we're going to do it. And this is the mountain we're going to climb and this is how we're going to conquer it. And this is the 12 step plan to do that. I felt what the Lord told me was, if you teach my people how to pray, they'll see my vision. And so that's kind of the thing. That's, I, I, if I feel like if we can get us to the same place spiritually, you'll see what I feel God's been showing me. And so when I communicate the things that God has placed on my heart, it'll be not just a revelation, but it'll be an affirmation of what God has already been speaking to you as we pray corporately. This is why I mentioned earlier, we want to do a corporate fast. We're going to do 21 days of prayer and fast. And it's just funny, uh, Jonathan just texted me, uh, one of our media directors, uh, just to clarify, you know, for our social media stuff. He said, is it 21 days of fasting or is it 21 days of prayer and fasting? And I, I kind of giggled because if you look at my notes, the first thing I said was it's prayer and fasting, not prayer or fasting. <laughs> And this is important to understand because the reality is we all do both of those things, okay? We all fast, which means abstaining from eating food for a time, right? You might have done it for a surgery that you were about to have, or if you were needing blood work, a lot of times they tell you don't eat for 12 hours ahead of the blood work, right? That's fasting. Uh, you do it every night when you go to sleep. That's why the first meal of the day is called break fast. I don't know why we pronounce it breakfast. It's just bad English. But if you break the word down, it's break fast. Why? Because you weren't eating all night. You were fasting. So when you wake up, you are breaking the fast when you have your first meal. Some of you, your minds are already blown. I love it. You're like, I never knew. It's like, you never did. It's so good. Right? And some of us might do intermittent fasting as, as part of a, a way to stay healthy or to lose weight. Uh, fasting, it, it requires discipline. It requires self-control. But it is nothing that's foreign. And it's, it's not even unique to the Bible. Like, fasting was a thing before we read it in Scripture. It's a thing that we see in throughout Scripture in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And in a moment, we're going to dive into that. But uh, it's prayer and fasting, not just fasting, right? If it's fasting alone, like a lot of the things I mentioned... Not many of that is spiritual. Like, I'm not having a spiritual awakening when I'm eating cornflakes in the morning. I might, but normally I'm not. It's just a break of my fast, right? Prayer, though, is another aspect of that. As believers, it's an integral part of our daily lives. Even non-believers pray, though, right, when the need arises. You find a loved one in a hospital, even when you don't believe, you find yourself throwing up some prayers. When tragedy hits, or oftentimes with soldiers, they always say there's no atheist in a foxhole. When you're caught in a certain situation, you better believe prayers are lifted up, even if you don't believe in that God. Prayer is a gift, though, for you and I as believers that comes with our salvation, that we can now boldly go before the throne of grace and speak to the God of the universe and and he actually hears us. 
I mean, the, the very notion that God would give you any of attention, that God would give you any time of day, that God would hear any word you have to say is really in reality mind-boggling. And yet, God has given us this gift through his salvation. Like I mentioned earlier, the veil was torn. There is no longer a barrier between you and God. And now you can talk to your heavenly father whenever you want, right? Remember, we pray to seek God's face, not his hand. To know him more, not just to get things out of him. To grow in our relationship with God. So you have fasting and you have prayer. Now what's truly powerful is when we combine prayer and fasting. Peanut butter's good and jelly's good. But oh man, peanut butter jelly sandwich, chef's kiss. Okay? Some things are just more powerful when they're brought together. I'm good, my wife's good. You brought us together, power couple, baby. We are awesome together. Right? There are just some things that become stronger when you unite them. And one of those things is prayer and fasting. I love the way Fulton Sheen said it. Fasting detaches you from this world. Prayer reattaches you to the next world. Fasting detaches you from this world. Prayer reattaches you to the next world. Now, uh, we're going to start next week a whole series on prayer. We're going to focus in and really understand what it is to pray, how to pray, why it's important in our life. We're going to go through a whole bunch of sermons and teachings on prayer. But So for right now, in this morning, I really want to focus and lean in on fasting. Okay? So I don't want you to be like, well, you just said prayer and fasting. We're going to cover prayer. But I want to take some time to talk about fasting because if we're going to start these 21 days of fasting, I think it's important for you to understand what exactly that is, why we do it, and what's the reward that can come from it, right? So there's a few things I want to just clear up right off the bat. There's a few different ways to fast, and and I'm just going to give you a few of them right now. There is selective fast, okay? I think I might have this. Leave that up for a minute just so people can take notes. This is the type of fast that involves removing certain elements from your diet. One example of a selective fast is a Daniel fast. In the Bible, Daniel, along with the other Israelites, were captured by Babylon, and they were uh, forced to, or they were being led to eat food that they knew, according to the Jewish law, they could not eat or else it would defile them spiritually. And so Daniel's like, man, I'm not going to eat that. And the guards are like, if you don't eat that, you're going to look disheveled and they're going to kill me. So you better eat it. And Daniel ends up making a deal where he says, hey, I'll only eat fruits and vegetables and, and watch how you know God will sustain me and it'll, it'll all be good. And, and it ended up working out. So we often call that a Daniel fast. It's you might remove sweets, meats, or bread from your diet and consume water or juice for fluids and fruit and vegetables for food. Okay. So that's the selective fast. There's also a complete fast. This is a type of fast where you drink only liquids, typically water, with light juice as an option, or maybe bone broth. There's a partial fast. This fast is sometimes called the Jewish fast and involves abstaining from eating any type of food in the morning and afternoon. This can either correlate to specific times of the day. For example, you don't eat from 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. or from sunup to sundown. Now listen, all right, because some of you are already thinking this. If you're like, hey, I'm not going to eat from 6 a.m. to 3 a.m., but you don't wake up till 2 p.m., you're cheating, okay? That's, that's not, some of you are like, oh, I got this, Pastor. I'm a fat, but I'm not eating while I'm sleeping. Still, you're cheating, all right? And then, listen, just to be careful, I want to make sure we understand this. There's a soul fast as well. 
This fast is a great option if you do not have much experience fasting food, or more specifically, if you have health issues that prevent you from fasting food. As we do this fast, listen, you might be a diabetic. You might have other medical conditions that might prevent you from doing a complete fast or even a partial fast, but that doesn't exclude you from fasting. There's other ways that you can do that. Uh, you can refocus certain areas of your life that are out of balance. For example, you might choose to stop using social media for 21 days. Some of y'all just need to do that in general, but this might be a good opportunity to do that. Or watching television for a duration of that fast and then carefully bringing those elements back into your life in healthy doses at the conclusion of the fast, okay? Now, again, let me explain this. Fasting is denying the flesh and pursuing the spiritual, Okay, so it's not just, hey, I'm gonna abstain from food. Remember, we talked about prayer and fasting. So what you, we typically want you to do is during those times that you're fasting, missing your breakfast or your lunch, you take that time that you would have set apart to eat and you pray. You take that time where you would have set apart to eat and you seek the face of God. And even like, I know some of you are like, well, it's kind of awkward at my job to do that and I'm not gonna judge you one way or the other. But I'll say this, and then pray before you get to your job. Maybe get there 15 minutes early in your car and take some time to pray before and after your job. The point is you are sacrificing a part of your earthly nature because everyone requires food, everyone needs to eat. And you're saying, God, this is how much this matters to me that I'm gonna abstain from food because I am more hungry for you than I am for this. I am more hungry for your presence than this pernil, although it was good. But listen, a lot of us, we already ate the last two months, okay? So we got some time that we can jump into this. It's a way of self-denial. It's a discipline that you're taking to say, God, this is how much it means to me. Now, let me just give you a side note, okay? Because this is important. Abstaining from sin is not a fast, Okay? So fasting from a bad habit, addiction, behavior, or disobedience is not spiritual discipline, okay? You can't count that as part of your fast. Uh, I'm fasting drunkenness and drug abuse. No, just stop doing that. <laughs> like, that's, that's not a fast. I'm fasting violence. Uh, please don't be violent anymore, okay? Now listen, all jokes aside, fasting can help break those strongholds in your life. If you struggle with drunkenness or drug abuse, or if you struggle with being violent or having road rage, fasting may help you break some of those strongholds in your life. But you don't get credit because you stopped doing something you weren't supposed to do. And so a lot of times, a lot of my friends, especially some of them who grew up and, and were more culturally spiritual than actually spiritual, during, during fast, during Lent and stuff like that, they would be like, yeah, you know, I'm gonna abstain from hard liquor. I'm like, Okay, are you getting drunk over that hard liquor? Only one reason to drink hard liquor, bro. It's like, but that's not, okay, whatever, dude. Like, I just would get confused because, you know, that, hey, I'm gonna abstain from sex, but you're not married. That's why I'm abstaining. It's like, but like, not for the 21 days. That, that, so again, I'm just saying, and I'm trying to say this lightly, but I also want you to understand um, what we're fasting is not necessarily just the sinful cravings of the flesh, but the natural craving of the flesh. Because here's the thing, everybody every day remembers to eat at some point. At some point, you think to yourself, I gotta eat something. And what we're saying is when that thought comes to mind, look at it more and say, I gotta pray about something. Okay, so let's look at an example of that in scripture. Matthew chapter six, verse 16 through 18. Okay, now I'll repeat this again, but I wanna make sure I'm clear. Nowhere in scripture is fasting mandated. Okay, it's not a rule. 
but it is very much encouraged. And so you see this when Jesus is talking in Matthew chapter six. He says, and when you fast, not if, when, in other words, he understands this is a part of your daily or regular routine. He says, and when you fast, don't make it obvious as hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face, then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father, who knows what you do in private, and your father, who sees everything, will reward you. I want to motivate you a little bit when it comes to this fasting, because I know for a lot of us, right off the bat, right when you say, skip a meal, you're like, I'm out. Like, I don't want to do this. Uh, but, but here's where I really need you to hone in. There is an unbelievable reward to establishing the discipline of fasting in your life to the point where fasting shouldn't be limited to the first 21 days of a year, but it's something that you do in regular practice. Where there's a need that arises that's serious in your life, when, when you have a surgery coming up or, or you have a loved one that's sick or, or you have a wayward child or there's just something that's constantly pressing in your heart. Fasting is a wonderful discipline to incorporate. I have a friend of mine, a good pastor friend, he has fasted every Wednesday for the last 20 years. It's just part of his regular routine. Routine. I'm like, you are a better man than I, but it's again, it's a wonderful thing to be able to incorporate. So like I said, nowhere in the Bible do you see this mandated, but if you do it correctly, there is a wonderful reward. And so what really is fasting and prayer and what happens when I fast in prayer? I want to give you five biblical results from fasting and prayer. Number one is this, and please take notes because this is something I'd love for you to go back and review. Fasting increases spiritual brokenness. Fasting increases spiritual brokenness. When you fast and pray and you come before the Lord in that way, there's naturally a level of humility that comes with that. Where you're saying, God, my relationship with you, my experience in your presence, my desire for your spirit is greater than anything else I desire in my life. There is instantly humility. But here's the thing. When you get that close to God, what breaks his heart ends up breaking your heart. Because now you have that relationship. You ever been in those situations like, I'm like this, where if I watch a video and it's sentimental and the people are crying, I'm going to cry. Like some of you are like that. If somebody cries, you're going to cry. And it's like my dad's the same way. For, I mentioned this a, a few sermons ago, maybe a couple years ago. But we love watching those like, high um, insurance commercials. I don't know why they make their commercials so sappy and emotional, but like literally, we don't even speak Thai, but my dad and I will watch like an hour's worth of it on YouTube and just sit there sobbing because when we see somebody broken, it breaks our heart. And here's the deal. When you pray and fast and you get that close to God, you start to take on those attributes and the things that bother him start to bother you. And the things that you do that bother him start to break you. When you realize the, the way you've been acting or the attitude you've been having or the habits that you've allowed and you get close to God, there's no way that you don't recognize your sinfulness when you're in the presence of his holiness. That's what happens when we pray and fast. And you see this in Joel chapter two, verse 12 through 13, and then later on, verse 15 and 16. It says, that is why the Lord says, turn to me now while there is time. Give me your heart 
come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Notice how they're all grouped together. Don't tear your clothing and grief, but tear your hearts instead. He's saying, listen, I don't want an outside expression of grief that you're playing to. I want an inward aspect of it where you're truly grieving and broken. Return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not punish. Blow the ram's horn in Jerusalem. Announce a time of fasting. Call the people together for a solemn meeting. Gather all the people, the elders, the children, even the babies. Call the bridegroom from his quarters and the bride from her private room. Self-humbling repentance allows God to cleanse us. That's not part of the verse. That's just a thought I had. Self-humbling repentance allows God to repent us. Listen to this. My daughter yesterday my eldest, when she gets mad, she gets kind of fussy. She's a three-year-old now. And um, she did something that almost hurt her little sister. And, you know, kids kind of do that all the time. And my wife was reprimanding her. She's like, listen, you can't do that. You're going to hurt your sister, okay? Tell me you understand. And my daughter just stared at her blankly. She went, no. She's like, listen, if you don't do that. And adamantly, she's like, No. Now, I could tell she was on her inside, she gets it, but she was so stubborn on the outside that she wouldn't relent. And the problem is, my wife's not going to relent either. So now they're in this back and forth, and I'm like, baby, come to me. And she looked at me, she goes, no. I was like, I'm trying to help you, she's the one. So now they're going at it together, and it gets to a point where she's starting to be disrespectful to my wife, and then she got a couple of, you know, she got a two-piece meal from my mom (laughs) with a biscuit on the side, and... uh, she got pow pow for those of you who don't know what that meant. And then she went in the room and she's crying and she comes back out. And all my wife needed was for her to relent and understand, do you realize what you did was wrong? Are you repentive? And eventually my daughter with tears in her eyes said, yes, I won't do that again. Listen, sometimes what God desires is not your worship, but your brokenness. Because it's in your brokenness that he can mend you, fix you, mold you, change you. And a lot of times it's our stubborn, we are a stubborn people with stubborn hearts. And the only time that changes is when we come into time of fasting and prayer. Combining fasting and prayer leads to brokenness on the inside, to awareness of sin and repentance. This is the point of fasting. It's a self-humbling, it's repentance, it's allowing God to cleanse us. And I think a lot of times that's why we don't like to pray and fast because we know what we're doing. And so when we get in God's presence and he exposes those things, we get embarrassed. Why did my daughter refuse to relent? Because she was embarrassed. She was embarrassed of being reprimanded. She was embarrassed that she did something she wasn't supposed to. And rather than repenting and and allowing the brokenness to bring that unification, she doubled down to the point where it ended up hurting her more. And I remember thinking to myself, sweetie, all you have to do is say, okay, just say, okay. And some of us, it's like, hey, listen, all you have to do is repent and we still refuse. Prayer and fasting for some of those strongholds in your life, some of those areas that you have stubbornly withheld from the Lord will be broken when you allow God to break you. And that brokenness comes before the presence of God. Number two, if you're taking notes, Not only does fasting increase spiritual brokenness, but fasting increases spiritual control. In and of itself, prayer and fasting is a discipline. It's taking time to focus and to be attentive and to take the time that's necessary to give this the proper attention. 
That's what a lot of people do in the new year anyways, right? They're establishing new disciplines. Now, we'll be honest. We know statistics say most of them don't last beyond January, especially when it comes to fitness. That's why gyms make all their money in January because they know you don't come February through December. And that's why all the people who actually work out hate Januarys because all these people show up and take up their machines and they're really annoyed by it. But what fasting does in this time of prayer and fasting is it establishes spiritual control and it helps you lay out a discipline that you can carry out in the long term. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27. says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. We do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. This is part of that. And again, it's not like the most incredible thing to skip a meal a day or to not eat from sunup to sundown. But for some of us, this is hard. I mean, it's hard just because like there are days like you and me where we don't eat and we just forget. And we're not hungry. It's just we're so busy. And we're it's like, oh man, I forgot to eat. I need to eat something. But man, the moment you decide you're going to fast, you experience hunger like you've never known in your life. You're like, oh my gosh, I am starving. I haven't eaten in years, right? Because you know you can't. And anytime you know you can't or you shouldn't, all you want to do is that. It's like why I never understood why people make those buttons red, those shiny buttons you're not supposed to touch. You made it shiny and red. All I want to do is press it now. Why did you do that? You should have made it like an ugly brown color. Something like, I don't even want to look at that. You made it appealing. And the problem is, the sinful nature, the way we work, is the moment you decide not to do something, everything in your flesh says, hey, get up and make a snack though. Hey, it's okay. It's just, listen, it's just, it's just an apple, right? Covered in peanut butter, right? Baked with brown sugar. Like, like, <laughs> you, you just come up with all these ways to start to try to figure out and try to manipulate. And try. But listen, some of you, let me just be straight here. Some of you, maybe the lack of discipline in other aspects of your life could be corrected with having discipline in your spiritual life. And so, and so maybe, just maybe, all these other resolutions you have or you desire can be accomplished if this first one is established. Because if you work from the inside out, there's a greater probability of success. Because now it's just not you, but it's God working in and through you. So this is a wonderful opportunity. Paul spoke of the fruit of the spirit, right? And one of the byproducts of the fruit of the spirit is self-control. Fasting helps produce this fruit. It is the miracle grow for self-control in your life. And so when you struggle with things like pornography or you struggle with things like lust or you struggle with things like bad habits or smoking habit or drinking habit or areas that you're just like, man, I don't even want to do that anymore. It's an expensive habit. It's a disgusting habit. I don't want to be a part of that anymore. Well, just not wanting to isn't going to fix it because for a long time you didn't want to. It's establishing a discipline spiritually that then manifests itself physically. And it begins with prayer and fasting. If you're taking notes, there's one, three more, or two more things, but I want to make sure we get to them. Fasting increases spiritual receptivity. Spiritual receptivity. 
Here's the truth. God is always speaking, but you're not always listening. It's like, and this might be a little bit of a dated thing, but radio waves are constantly going. Constantly. But you gotta be in the right frequency to pick it up. So if I turn my radio on and I wanna listen to the Bears game, I gotta be on the station that's in the frequency that's broadcasting the Bears game. Just because I turned the radio on doesn't mean I'm gonna hear what I wanna hear. You're gonna hear what you're in tune to. And many of us, we wonder, why don't I hear God? Or why don't I know what God wants for my life? Or why don't I have vision for my life or a purpose in my life? I just don't, God just doesn't speak to me. No, no, he is. But you are not in tune to his voice. You haven't dialed into that frequency. And what prayer and fasting do is it recalibrates everything. It gets you back in a position of receptivity where you're saying, God, I want to get in tune with your spirit, my spirit to your spirit. I want to hear you. I want to know that it's you. I want clarity in your voice because you are not the author of confusion. You are somebody that gives it straight and that lets me know. And in prayer and fasting, I gain that. How do I know? Listen, Acts chapter 13, verse 2 through 3. One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, well, how did they hear the Holy Spirit? Because they were worshiping and fasting. Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. Now, I, I kind of, in my head, I, I'd like to interject a little bit, so don't take this as gospel. They pray and fast, they hear God. God says, set apart Paul and Barnabas. I wonder, just in my mind's eye, I wonder if part of them are like, maybe he met that other Saul and, and Barnabas. Because you got to understand, these are like juggernauts in the church. All right, these are like, I mean, Saul eventually becomes Paul and, and Barnabas, he's the only one that went to bat for Paul. These are like amazing men that most churches in America today, you're not going to want to let go of your best selfishly, just being transparent, right? This is how people do it. And so a lot of times you're like, why don't you take Steve? Steve's a good guy. <laughs> we'll give up Steve. <laughs> I remember Dick Brogdon, one of our, our missionaries, he once, in front of all of our district council, in front of all of our pastors, I love his boldness. He looked out at all of them and he said, stop sending us the ones you don't want. And I was like, dang, only he could say that though, because he's a G. Um, but, but here's the reality, like the Holy Spirit spoke, they heard, and then they got confirmation as they prayed and fasted again. There was no denial that these two men were to be set apart, Barnabas and Saul, that they were set apart to do the Lord's work. Fasting helped open the ears of early believers to the voice of God for service. You wanna know what God's calling you to do in this new year? Pray and fast. You wanna know where God's calling you to serve in this new year? Pray and fast. You want to know the direction. You want to know the decisions that you need to make. Should you take this job? Should you not take this job? Should you move to this house? Should you not move to that house? Should you engage in this relationship? Should you not engage in this relationship? So many questions can be answered if you became more receptive to his voice. If you learn to hear the voice that's always speaking. Not only does fasting increase our spiritual receptivity, but fasting increases spiritual power. Fasting increases spiritual power. Sometimes we look at people and we see the way God moves to them and we think there's something special about them. And listen, favor isn't always fair. God chooses to use who he wants to use. But sometimes it's not that they're better than you. 
is that they take more time to be close to God. I remember when I was first in youth ministry as a volunteer, there was a number of youth leaders that got mad and actually complained to the pastor that all the kids only wanted to hang out with me and wouldn't do anything with them. And his reply to them was, but he hangs out with all of them. He goes to their games and he invites them out and they want to be near him because he spends more time with them. You're jealous, but you don't want to spend time with them. And a lot of times we think, well, how come that person gets that? Or how come that person's prayers are answered? How come that? Well, because they're spending more time with God. They have a closer, deeper relationship with the Lord. And you are not denied that. You're just not pursuing that. So why are you mad about something that you're not willing to take when it's already laid out for you to receive? That's like, that's like we're all at the same table and I'm mad that you're eating and I'm not. But I still got a plate in front of me. How am I going to get jealous that you're full when I'm the one who's refusing to pick up my fork? And so what happens is when we fast and we pray, it increases that spiritual power in your life, that power to break strongholds, that power to continue to grow in your prayer life, that power to get you to that next level of where God's calling you. In Luke chapter four, verse one through two, it says, then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. You think? 40 days, no food. But then listen, verse 14, right? A few verses later. Then Jesus returned to Galilee. So this is after the 40 days. Filled with the Holy Spirit's power, Right? Filled with the Holy Spirit's power, reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. So he goes in, led by the Spirit, fasts for 40 days, and doesn't come out weaker, but stronger. Full of the Holy Spirit's power. The outflow of Christ's power came from his time of fasting. I remember in in Acts, the, the Bible talks about some of the disciples, and they said there wasn't anything special about them. Right? They, could, they, they could tell these guys weren't educated in the highest of schools. But one thing they noticed, they had been with Jesus. Listen, you might not be the most well-trained. You might not have the background that everybody else. You might not even have grown up in church. You might not have had all those different pedigrees that you think make you less than when it comes to other people in church. But here's what everybody can do. We can all spend time with Jesus. And when you do that, it becomes evident to others. People can tell this person's been with Jesus. Even in prayer, like I know a lot of people are nervous about praying out loud, so I'm not trying to judge that. But a lot of times, you can tell if a person prays privately by how they pray publicly. Not all the time. I don't want to paint a broad brush because some people are just really nervous. But if, but if we're like, hey, will you pray for the food? And you're like, um, hey, um, like if you could just, it's like anything else. If you ever talk to somebody that you never had a conversation with, it can be awkward. But when you talk to somebody you have a deep relationship with, you can literally pick up on a conversation you started two years ago. Why? Because there's that familiarity. And how do we grow in that familiarity with God? Prayer and fasting. It's taking that dedicated time to say, God, I want to increase in your power by increasing my time in your presence. And the last note is this, fasting increases spiritual usefulness. There's an old saying we would say in football, hungry dogs run faster. Maybe you're not as hungry as you used to be anymore for the spiritual things that God has for you. Fasting creates a hunger inside you for more of God's presence. And it makes you go faster. Luke 2, verse 36 through 37. Anna, a prophet who was also there in the temple, 
She was the daughter of, you can read that for yourself, Fanuel, from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. So you can do the math. She was married for seven years and she's 84 years old. We would imagine she got married at a relatively young age at that time. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. Some of you older saints in the room, you think your time is done, that your days were better, that your days of ministry are long over. You know what I love? Even about Pastor Carlos, I, I joked with him even now as he's helping uh, with being a pastor emeritus, essentially, or a fill-in for a church that retired, and, and he's still just a wonderful earpiece to me. He didn't stop just because he retired from the position here. Church, you don't stop serving God until you're face-to-face with him. Anna, who was 84 years old, served the temple with prayer and fasting every day. If nothing else, you can pray and fast. When I was in youth ministry, I used to have a sister that would come every Thursday night and sit in a room, one of the offices, and just pray from the beginning of the service to the end. And that's all I ever wanted her to do. And there was such power in those services because I knew there was somebody under the room praying and battling in the spiritual realm for what God was doing in the physical right here. You want to increase in that? You want to grow in that? Fasting and prayer is what does it. Worship team, if you can help me out. Listen, prayer and fasting is a powerful spiritual weapon. Matthew 17, verse 19 through 21. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? They're talking about a demon-possessed person who, even though they prayed, they weren't able to cast out the demon. And then Jesus comes up and he does it like nothing. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. However, This kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Let me ask you something, church, as we wrap this up. This kind can only come out through prayer and fasting. What's your kind of situation? What's your personal thing? What kind of strongholds are in your life that you've tried and failed to overcome? What kind of situations plagued you in 2022 that you don't want to do the same in 2023? Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's being faithful or fidelity. Maybe it's just, I want to be consistent in my walk. I don't want to keep going two steps back and one step forward. Listen, I believe with all my heart that God is going to do amazing things this year in our church. But before God moves through Belmont, he has to move through you because you are who make up this church. This church is not me. It's not the leadership team. It's not the pastoral staff. We are the church. So if we want to see God move in the church, it begins with moving in the individuals of this church. So here's what I'd like you to do. I want you to get something to write with, a pen, paper, phone, whatever you can. Just take a moment right now. Pull something out that you can write with. In a moment, we're going to pray. And as we pray, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to bring to light a specific area that you need to pray and fast over. 
As a church, we're going to give you prayer points and some follow-up on what we specifically want you to pray over the 21 days, things that we'll be praying for corporately and together. But what is it that you need to pray and fast over? Your personal victory is going to build up our corporate victory. I want to be flooded with testimonies at the end of this time of fasting of the goodness and faithfulness of God in your personal life. And I'm not saying God has to do it within these 21 days, but I would love for us when that answer, when that prayer is answered, to look back and say, I started praying that January 9th, 2023. It's been five years, but God heard me on that day. So what is it? And as you write that down and finish up, I want you to stand up, I'm gonna pray. And I wanna just pray over those situations. Thank you, Father. Come on, you can begin to stand right where you're at. And I don't need you to make a list of 50 things. You can just start with one. And as you're praying and fasting, if God brings more to your heart, that's fine. Heavenly Father, Lord, you see every person in this room. God, you, you know the ones that have already written this off and the ones that have been challenged and asserting themselves that they are gonna commit over the next 21 days, beginning January 9th, to prayer and fasting. And God, it's not just about the rewards that we get. It's not about the increase in power and receptivity and all the things that we've been talking about. But it's about seeking your face and not just your hands. It's not just about getting stuff, God. We're not going to manipulate you in these 21 days. We can't manipulate you, God. But what we want is for you to manipulate our heart, God. For you to mold us and move us and help us to be in tune with your spirit, Lord. So, Father, I pray even now over that very specific thing that we've been writing down. Lord, even the thing that's written on our heart, God, that we're so worried about putting pen to paper because we're nervous that it might not happen. But, God, I pray even now, would you prove us wrong, God? Would you answer the prayer of our hearts, Almighty God, so that we can give a testimony, Lord, so that we can tell the world about the goodness of our God, so we can glorify you and bring you honor and praise. And Father, we don't care how long it takes. We're just grateful that you hear us. So Lord, I just pray over each and every one of those prayer requests that have been written down, those prayer points, oh God. Some of them have been prayed for for a long time, God. But Lord, I pray that something powerful happens as they deny themselves, Lord, as they move away from the flesh and draw closer to your spirit, God. Lord, I pray that in these next 21 days, something powerful happens that's life-changing, that changes not just the trajectory of their lives, but of generations to come after them, should you tarry. So Father, we thank you in advance, because God, the answer doesn't matter. What's important is that we know you hear us, God. We know that you're there for us, Lord, and we know that you love us. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Come on, would you give God a hand clap of praise? <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. Now listen, church, before we go, here's my challenge to you again. Remember, we're going to start January 9th. That's not going to stop you if you want to. I'm not going to get mad at you if you start fasting or whatever. But prepare yourself, right? Get the fridge right. Get your stuff in order. Make a plan. Organize yourself. And listen, if you mess up, just start again. If, if you're up seven days and you forget and you eat a sandwich, just start the next day. We're not going to get mad. We're not going to kick you out of the church because you didn't do the whole 21 days. Here's what I believe. God cares about the motive of your heart. 
And if you're trying, I think God will honor that. So do what you can, where you can. If it's one meal, if it's coffee, whatever. Fast and trust God. Amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you on Wednesday at the prayer meeting.